On today's show, how good is Victor Weminyama? We're going to talk to a guy that's seen him in person. How about Scoot Henderson? How about Brandon Miller? Who should go 2-3-4 in the draft? And who are the prospects for the Mavs at 10? We'll talk about all that and more on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavs. don't believe you shouldn't be here. Loyalty never fades away. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for being part of the show and making Locked On Mavs your first listen every day. Subscribe or follow for free wherever you get podcasts or on YouTube, where the best way you can help us grow the show is to listen every day and to comment anything Below, let us know who do you want the Mavs to take in the draft. This is our our kicking off the draft. Draft season starts with the Dallas Mavericks. Sadly, we're kicking it off today. If you want to support the show, text me and Isaac, and then get text alerts from us throughout the draft process, uh, free agency rumors, all that kind of stuff. Subscribe to our subtext. The link in the description below or the number below. Uh, you can let that. You can uh, hit that up and check it out. Joining me today is Rafael Barlow from Lockdown NBA Big Board, the number one draft guy out there. Like, the best guy who's seen all the guys. He he, he lives in DFW, comes to the Mavs games all the time. I'm sitting next to him during Mavs games, and he's like, yeah, you know, I went to I went to Africa, and I saw these guys, and yeah, I went to, you know, I was just in Turkey. I, I was just over in Germany, and I saw these guys, and I was talking to this agent, and he just knows everybody. You've got the connections. You've seen these guys. Rafael Barlow, what you got for me? <laughs> I got to live up to that uh, introduction. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have for you right now. Um, no, nah, man, it's, it's just weird to be talking about the draft. It's what, April 17th? Ugh. I definitely wasn't planning on talking about the Mavs draft at, at this early <laughs> in the season or in the year. So You and me both, friend. N- neither was I at all. But we are. We're going to talk about the draft. We're, let's, let's just do a, an overview of of the draft for our audience because we haven't done any draft stuff yet. Uh, I haven't really dove into to draft content yet, but I know some of the guys at the top. So we'll talk about some prospects at 10. We'll talk about anybody from one to four that you think if the Mavericks do jump up in the lottery, who they should be looking at, and who Mavs fans can expect potentially to be there. But let's start with the, the guy, number one. Um, in your latest like and like mock draft, you said that the diff, the gap between Victor Wembanyama and number two is as wide as the distance between Paris and Detroit. Now, I'm assuming you mean Paris, France, and not Paris, Texas. But why is Victor Wembanyama the number one guy? Like, why is it so clear? Uh, you know where to start. Seven five can handle, can shoot, has a seven foot nine wingspan. So you I mean you can throw it up to the moon and he'll catch it. He is an excellent shot blocker. Just so much. <laughs> there's just so much talent, and there's so much room for growth. And the jump that he's made this year compared to last season is is scary. And then when you consider he can make another jump next year, if he lives up to the hype, then we we could be talking about one of the one of the best players ever. And it is weird for me to say that, but it's a possibility. I don't know if you saw the comparison Nick Batum made this weekend. He compared him to Rudy Gobert. Anthony Davis, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and there's one more, Durant. and Giannis. 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 Jesus. He says he's all of those guys in, in one. That's quite, that's quite a comparison. 
he doesn't have he doesn't have the size of like a Gobert or or but he probably has the size of an Anthony Davis when he was in college or a little before that. If you remember like the you know the comparisons of Anthony Davis as he was growing and then it became a meme yeah. where he was like this giant like Godzilla type character. Um, but yeah, like we've seen so much of Victor Wembanyama at this point. You've seen him in person though. What's it like to see a guy that's that tall? That's like bigger than Porzingis, taller than Por- taller than Boban, right? Seven five in shoes. Yeah, taller so, taller than yeah. Boban. That can do the things that he does. That can handle. What's it like to see that in person? Like, does it just break your brain when you look at him and he's like handling the ball, and then he <laughs> just take a three wherever he wants? Well, the funny story: the first time I saw him in person was on my wedding night. Me and my wife got married in Paris, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we had to. We went to the Eiffel Tower to get married, so we had to get married at like six o'clock in the morning to make sure nobody was in our shot. Wow! And the game was at like nine o'clock at night, so we had you know, the rest of the day. And I was like, Hey, there's this kid. He's 17. <laughs> I mean, we're in Paris. He's supposed to be like the greatest prospect ever. You want to roll with me? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so we went and, uh, he got in foul trouble, like the first, I don't know, five or six possessions. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, yeah, she's probably looking at me like, so you do this, this for a living? This guy? Yeah. This guy? This was the guy you said. And you're supposed to be good LeBron? at talent evaluation. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, I mean, he literally picked up two fouls. I want to say the first five or six possessions. Oh and then he was much skinnier then than, than he is now. And uh, thankfully, a year later, she saw like the Wimbenyama scoop matchup and he had 37 <laughs> points. She's like, okay. So actually I look even better because it was like, you saw this <laughs> before everybody yeah, else right. did. But, uh, 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 but no, he's really, really good. Uh, I saw him last year. Like I said, he struggled. And then when I saw him this year, he was just a totally different person handling the ball, shooting threes, one leg jumpers. I mean, the confidence has skyrocketed. He's an excellent defender. And he just moves like, really like a man a foot shorter. Like he moves like a wing as far as the fluidity and coordination. We just haven't seen anything like that on somebody that size. And then you were there for the Weminyama versus Scoot, that whole showdown. Of, yep. You know, it was like an exhibition type thing. What did you see from him there where you saw him actually in competition? It's one thing to see like the tools and see what he can do in, in that type of guy, like combine type stuff. But to see him in actual competition, how does he fair or hold up in that well i saw him the week prior so he played two games i want to say he played on a tuesday and friday so i was at those games in france and then they played the ignite on like the next tuesday and thursday so i had a chance to watch him four times in a week and you know in the french league he i mean he was good he was dominant put up big numbers and then I thought about what I wanted to expect from the Ignite game. I'm thinking if he has like 14, 10, and three blocks, then he'll live up to the hype. I was not expecting 37 and I think 36 back-to-back Jeez. games. But he looked a lot better with NBA spacing. The The NBA rules where the game is longer, it's more free-flowing, not as physical. And, I mean, he just put up 36 and 37 in, in those two games. So... I thought that um, he even looked better in the NBA setting. And he didn't have time to really adjust to it. It was like, like I said, they played on Friday. They flew out Saturday morning. They got to Vegas on Sunday, had a day to just adjust to the time difference. And then he goes out and scores 37. And he wanted the matchup. That's the part that 
is kind of forgotten is that they were in the middle of their season. And so imagine like you're in the middle of your season. We're not necessarily the middle, but you're in the beginning part of your season and you go across the country for exhibition match when you really don't have anything to prove. You're going to be number one regardless. He took that challenge, brought his whole team with him, put on a show and then just goes back to Paris. And and now it's like the gap between one and two is it's, it's even bigger than it was before he came over. So, I mean, he's just phenomenal. And that was phenomenal to watch. If the Mavericks get the number one pick, they take Victor Wem- This I've been asked this question several times, and in our subtext, we've gotten texts about it, uh, people asking, if they get the number one pick, should they trade it, or should they keep? You keep this pick, because there's a, <laughs> there's a chance where, yeah, maybe your first year, you're hoping that Wembenyama is, is good enough and adjusts quick enough that he can help Luka win right now. There's a chance like year two, three, four, Luca is helping Wembenyama, right? Like that, that's the scenario we're looking at where yeah. he could just be that good. The Mavs keep that pick, right? Oh, 100%. And one of the things that's missing when you watch Wembenyama highlights is you don't see him getting a lot of easy looks. He's creating a lot of his own shots. He has a point guard that's really small that can't really see traps and, and find him on, on lobs. So with Luca, I mean, you have, a like I said, a crazy vertical lob threat. A good passer. I mean, it's like a pick and roll threat. And um, Wimbayama's agent lives here in Dallas. Mm. He spends his time in Dallas when he's in the States. His trainer, Tim Martin, is a good friend of mine, lives in Dallas. So I think if he were to end up in Dallas, he'd uh, be really comfortable because he has a support system already here. So that would be like a dream scenario for a lot of people. Raphael, so you're telling me that he's going to angle to come to Dallas? That's what you're trying to tell me? You're trying to get my hopes up here that he's going to try to force his way? Yeah, maybe if he tells all the other teams, like, you know what, I'm going to stay in France. We're going to sign. Wow. You know, a a long-term deal. And then the Mavs (laughs) (laughs) draft him at number 10. He's like, oh, I was joking. That could help. (laughs) He becomes a draft. That'd be a crazy draft and stash for that guy (laughs) to do that. Oh, my gosh. All right, coming up. Daryl Morey did with the Rockets or with the Sixers. (laughs) Coming up, let's do uh, prospects two through through four. If the Mavericks get in the two through four range, who are the players they're looking at? We'll talk about Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. Talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Game Time. The Game Time app is available for you to help you browsing and getting tickets. Tickets to, you know, events to go see some of these guys, to go see games in the offseason, to go see some Dallas Wings games. I'm going to be going to a bunch of Dallas Wings games. I'm excited for this team coming up. Browse through the Game Time app and talk about uh, everything that you see there, flash deals and last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Images of seat views, that's key. You, you got to know what seat you're going to get and what view you're going to get. Lowest price guaranteed, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Go check it out. See what is available in your area. Snag the ticket without the stress with Game Time. Download Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNNBA. That's all caps, all one word, LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem your code. Locked in NBA for $20 off. Download game time. Last minute tickets. Lowest prices guaranteed. All right, Raphael. Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us on Locked On Mavs. We appreciate you guys. If you listen five days a week, you're part of the Raccoon Squad. We'd also appreciate you guys subscribing to our subtext to help support the show. Keep us five days a week throughout the offseason. Maybe we should commit a goal. Maybe we should commit a goal of the amount of subtext that we need to keep five days a week. Uh, but in the link in the description below. We talked about Wembenyama uh, up top. The next 
four, the next three spots, basically. The Mavericks could possibly get a top four pick. They have you know, about a 9% chance to, to get into that top spot, to get into the, the, the top four there. They could get to two, three, and four. Can't get to between five and nine. It's just impossible the way the lottery is set up. So we've talked about one. If they get if they get the first pick, it's Wembenyama. You don't do anything else. You keep that pick. You hope that he can help you today and then expect him to be able to be incredible later on. Number two is kind of up for debate right now. A lot of people have Scoot Henderson. That's not who you have at number two. Who, who are you looking at number two right now? I think it's a toss-up um, between Scoot Henderson and Brandon Miller. I personally have... I think on the last one, I think the one, the mock I had earlier this week or last week I had Miller and then I have Scoot now and there was a coin flip today. I just think it makes the most sense for really the Spurs to grab Miller, but both teams could use a point guard. Anyway, uh, I like both and it's one of those things where I'm going back and forth. One day is Scoot, the next day is Brandon <laughs> Miller. <laughs> I had a conversation with, with Scoot's agent and he was basically... Uh, you know, pitching why Scoot should be number two. Um, I don't think you can go wrong with, with, with either pick. I think the reason why it is a conversation now is because, in my opinion, Scoot kind of let his foot off the gas in the second half of the season. Only shot 39% from the floor, 27% from three. Had some injuries, missed a few games. I know I tried to watch him play five times this year, and I only was able to watch him once, and that was the game against Wow. Wimbenyama, um, the shot didn't improve like people thought it did. And, you know, it's one of those things where in the second half of a G League season, especially with two-way contracts, guys may feel like they're not getting called up. So, I mean, some guys just aren't really playing as hard as, as you would think. And then you don't really have really anything to play for in a sense in the G League. There's no conference tournament. There's no hostile environments like you're not going into Lawrence, Kansas in the field house. You're not going into, you know, the Cameron crazies. There's no Big 12 tournament. While in college basketball, you have those games where everything, every game counts. There's there's meaningful games. So at one point I thought like, okay, the way Brandon Miller is playing, he could easily go number two. And then he just had like historically the worst NCAA tournament (laughs) that we've seen. So, I mean, I think it's a toss-up, and then you got to factor in just the situation that happened at Alabama. Um, but, yeah, I think it can go either way. Give me just a, a brief overview of who those players are. Like, for somebody that's never seen them before, what, do, what does Scoot mm-hmm. Henderson do on the court? Like, what is his archetype? Same with Brandon Miller. Scoot is in the mold of, like, your, your Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, just a phenomenal athlete. He's strong, physically mature, big hands. He is, has an explosive, like the vertical pop. He can get to his spots, good pull-up shooter. You can make a case and say he's a better shooter at the same stage of their careers than Derrick Rose and, and Russell Westbrook. Maybe not a really good three-point shooter yet, but as far as like a mid-range shot, um, you, you can make a case and say he's better. He doesn't have that extra, extra gear that Derrick Rose had, but who does, you know? <laughs> Don't nobody does. I would say like a little bit beneath Westbrook as an athlete, but maybe you can say he's like a stronger version of Ja Morant, but I feel like he's a little bit more in control than Ja. Like Ja is just kind of like reckless in a sense. We saw that in game one. You saw that in game, I mean, every game, just 
some of the plays he makes are phenomenal and then some plays just like you're like there's no way your body's going to be able to sustain falling on the ground like that but yeah scoot is a good playmaker and i I think he's going to be special i think he is a franchise level point guard and then what about brandon miller what does he do and what kind of archetype do you see for him Miller fits what every team is looking for as far as the versatility. He's 6'9", he can handle, he can shoot. Before he went on this crazy slump at the end of the year, he was shooting 40% from three on like seven attempts per game. And then he showed flashes of being able to play out of ball screens. I've seen some comparisons to Paul George. But what he brings to the table that maybe Scoot doesn't is that he can play multiple positions. You can play him maybe two through four in some lineups. And I felt like his greatest asset coming into this season was his ability to score in the mid range and elevate over the top of guys and kind of work out of the mid post, which was totally frowned upon at Alabama's offense. So it was either, it's kind of like an NBA offense, either shoot threes or go to the rack. And he adjusted his game to fit that system. And he shot like, 40% from three for the majority of the season. Mm. So I think there's more to his game than he was able to show. And like I said, I don't think you can go wrong with either guy. So those are the pretty consistent top three that I've seen from a lot of places. If there's a fourth yeah. person, who is that person that has stepped up? If the Mavericks somehow land at four, who are the Mavs looking at to potentially take? Amon Thompson. He is from the Overtime Elite, which is a startup professional league. He has a twin brother, Asar Thompson, who I think could also go in the top five. Amin is a phenomenal athlete, the best athlete in this draft. I mean, I think that if he, the day he gets drafted in the NBA, he's going to be a top 10 athlete in the NBA. Yeah, you just compared Six, the last, seven. you just compared Scoot to like Russell Westbrook and John Morant. And now, now this and, guy's the best and, athlete. And, and he's an even better athlete Man. than Scoot. I mean, it is, he's a phenomenal athlete, like one percenter athlete. Six seven, long arms. He can pass. The concern is he's playing in an overtime elite league, which is made up of like elite high schoolers. He is twenty, so he is playing against younger competition. Another situation where you haven't really seen him tested against hostile environments. You haven't seen him, you know, on the road or or play against you know guys his age. I mean, he played in the TBT this summer. They went on the European tour. They played like an exhibition game against uh, <laughs> the TBT where like Jared Sullinger was like the greatest player that they've ever seen a couple years ago. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But at least those are like grown men that are usually like pros overseas. Yeah. I mean, that's the only sample size that we have. <laughs> they played an Australian team that and I have a friend that played on that team. And uh, it was like the day before they played like the Suns on one of those exhibition tours. So, of course, he's just like, man, we were like, why are we playing these high school guys? So, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, phenomenal athlete, very, very good passer. I think that's the, mm. the, the, the thing about him that makes him stand out is his court vision. And he has the tools to be like a great defender, but just has a ways to go as a shooter. Right? A guy that's only making like 31% of his jump shots against competition that is sometimes two to three years younger you can listen to all these prospects the top four especially being talked about all the time on locked on nba big board it's a five day a week show just like ours is so go subscribe to locked on nba big board on youtube or wherever you get your podcast coming up let's talk about 10 mavericks are probably going to end up at 10 that's that's what the numbers say we hope that they at least keep it but if they get 10 let's talk about who the mavericks are looking at at 10 we'll talk about that coming up 
But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. You know what I love about Prize Picks is that you can just look at a player and you, you know on certain nights. Like I used to work at a restaurant and there was this guy that would do daily fantasy. He was a manager and he would just say, "Hey, I got the. I know that this guy, this right fielder, his wife just had a baby." He's, he's hitting a home run tonight, guaranteed. If you got little tricks like that that you know, you're like, all right, this guy is going off. You can go pick them. Just that, that instance, that player over on prize picks. So, for instance, if you know that, let's say, we're recording this before Sacramento Golden State, let's say De'Aaron Fox, 28 points even, more or less. I'm going to go more for De'Aaron Fox. Curry, 30 points more or less. That's even on that. I'm going to go more on Curry, too, on that one. You can do a bunch of other cool things like Clay Thompson plus Demonis Sabonis, Curry plus De'Aaron Fox, all those kind of things. You can do more or less. Let's do Jordan Poole 16 points even. Give me less on that one. He played like 20 minutes game one. If I put down 20 bucks on that, I can win 45. If I put down 100 bucks, I can win $225. All kinds of different multipliers and things like that that you can play. Uh, and it's not just NBA either. Go check it out. Prize picks, promo code locked on. All right, Raphael, thanks everybody for hanging out with us on Locked On Mavs. We are five days a week, continuing throughout the offseason, talking about the draft. All right, if the Mavericks land 10, which is what the numbers say they're probably going to land, just start throwing, give me some names. Start throwing out some names, what kind of players they are. I know that you've, that Taylor Hendricks is a name I see on like every, every mock draft, but who are some names that the Mavs should be looking at at 10? Yeah, I think Taylor Hendricks makes sense. He's a... Good defender, shot 39% from three, average 1.7 blocks per game. He's a good athlete, so he's like a really good fit in Dallas. Gives them some much-needed size, good rebounder. I had a chance to watch him play when he was in Fort Worth for the AAC tournament, and he was a better passer than I thought. A guy that really came out of nowhere, wasn't projected to be a first-round pick, not even a one-and-done guy. I think he was maybe like the 40th or 50th 50th best. Oh, that's hard to say. <laughs> Put like this. He wasn't a top 40 prospect yeah, right. <laughs> coming out of high school. Right. And now he's a projected top 10 pick. I mean, he's skyrocketing up draft board. So I think that is a, a good fit for Dallas. But I have a wild card. The guy that I okay. think makes the most sense for Dallas is Derek Lively, the second from Duke. The I've numbers been, don't look good. I have been sent this name a bunch on, on Twitter. Mostly because yeah, Mavs fans just want a different center besides Dwight Powell. Let's be clear. But but what does Derek yeah, Lively do that, that, for a while. that stood out to you? <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first saw him in high school, the first like comparison that came to mind was Tyson Chandler. So if you're a Mavs fan, you're going to like I'm, that I'm in. I'm sold. That's it. The <laughs> so, last time the Mavs had a good center, his name was Tyson Chandler. And uh, both times. <laughs> they had Brendan Haywood on that team, too. <laughs> Okay. Since then so, they've had Andrew. It, since then they've had Andrew Bogut. They've had Dwight Powell. They've had Javale McGee. They've had Javale McGee again. I'm, I'm, <laughs> how many games did Bogut play? Like one? <laughs> he played more than that. The Bogut era. I don't was, remember. The Bogut era was weird. Oh, that was the Harrison Harrison Barnes that was the first year because they both came over from the Warriors, like oh championship team. When okay. They got KD. It was the Cavs where he played like one game and he like hurt his knee in like the I first re- ten seconds. That was like that, that was the first year I was credentialed to cover the Mavs was when Andrew Bogut and Harrison Barnes came over. So that's actually that's the year we took over Lockdown Mavs too. I think okay. L- later in the year, but so he a lively. He was the number one high school player in his class. He's seven one, 
moves well, good athlete. The concern I had about him coming into the season was I thought he was going to be a guy that could shoot the ball a little and would fall in love with the jump shot and settle for too many jumpers. It was the exact opposite. He didn't shoot hardly any jumpers. And he was just in a situation in college basketball where he did not have anyone to get him the ball. It got to the point where he would screen and not even roll. Like He would screen at the top of the key and just stand there. So he only averaged like four points per game, got off to a slow start because he had a calf injury at the beginning of the season. And then he just turned it on defensively. I mean, he was blocking everything around the rim. He had a, like a six block game. So the reason I like it is because he, one, he has the size. And I think if you have a guy like Luca that will get you the ball on the roll, then his defense would be better because he's more engaged on the offensive end. And usually if there's a guy that is a, a good defender and he's and he doesn't feel like he's getting rewarded on offense, sometimes that could impact his his energy and how he plays. And I think with Lively, he was a good defender despite not despite knowing that he was not going to get touches. And I think if you give him a point guard that can see over the top of defenses and hit him on the roll, his energy levels on defense will be even better. So I, I think that he could be a, a steal. And I think he can help the Mavs right now just with his size, his athleticism. And he is a mobile defender that can that can switch on ball screens too. You had me at Tyson Chandler comparison, and you sold me when you said he blocked six shots in a game. <laughs> because, yes, he, I mean – the Mavs just need somebody like that. And how would you – so we saw Walker Kessler come out last season and make an impact like right away. He was one of the best – I mean, probably one of the best rim protectors in the NBA this year. Is that something that yeah. – is that a path that you see for, for Derek Lively this year? It's something like that? Yeah, and that's what really made me believe that you take Lively as high, for, especially for fit purposes, despite the fact that the numbers aren't going to stand out because – with, uh, man, his name always gets me. I always want to call him Kessler Walker. But Walker Kessler <laughs> was someone that I was wrong about, even though he had, like, a dominant year in college. I think, like, he set a record for blocks or maybe yeah. it's like, only closest thing to, like, Hassan Whiteside a few years back. But I just thought, oh, okay, in the old NBA where guys just kind of stand under the rim, he's going to be a lot more effective. And he proved to me that you can be effective and, and drop coverage in, in today's NBA if you're not like this phenomenal athlete. The biggest concern was about his feet. And Lively is a better athlete. May not be a better shot blocker, but he is someone that is, I would say, is more switchable than than Walker. Or is it Kessler? <laughs> Kessler. <laughs> you can say either way because you can call him by his <laughs> yeah. last name or his first name. Uh, but yeah, his success made me believe in Lively is uh, someone that you would, I would take high, even though, like I said, the numbers don't necessarily say he should watching as many Mavs games as we did together this year. Uh, would yeah. he come in and start right away? Do you think? Uh, or should, let's do, should he, cause predicting what Jason Kidd's going to do. I'm not really sure we, either of us know, yeah, how yeah, that if, but should he, yeah, would, would you do it? I if think you were coach? he, I think he should, but I do think like Jason Kidd is not a fan of young players and I get it. He wants to win right now and right away. But I don't want to, like, bash Jason Kidd, but there's no way that Jaden Hardy should have been outside of the rotation. So I think if there were a coach that just went by guys that can play and help team the team win now as opposed to using age against them, 
be different. But yeah, I think he could come in and I think he could start like right away, right now. Yeah, that was that, was, the my, that was my role. question. Should he start? Should he start? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, he has a simplified role: run the floor, block shots, yeah. defend, catch lobs. But then again, we thought that about Javale. So, and, and kid didn't play him either. This is supposed to be looking towards the future. I'm not having. I'm not. <laughs> I shouldn't have to be thinking about last season still. Uh, give me another one. Give me one more prospect that you're looking at and saying, I think the Mavs should maybe go after this guy at ten. Jairus Walker would be interesting. He's from Houston. I don't know if he'll be around at 10. He is 6'8". He is like a rugged physical defender. Probably one of the best, one of the top five defenders in this class. But what I like about him is that he's a sneaky good passer. And it's something that you would only notice if you watch his high school film. Mm. And I've told this story before in the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast. Um, I'm a Blazers fan. And... I ran into Bam out of bio once in Miami <laughs> and the Blazers selected Zach Collins over Bam. And so I said, Hey man, I'm a Blazers fan. What in the world made Portland select Zach Collins over you? And his exact words that stuck with me as far as scouting, he says, well, they probably didn't pay attention to my high school tape. He says, if you look at my high school tape, you could see that I could pass. I could shoot a little bit, but at Kentucky, I just had this reduced role as you know, a guy at the dunker spot, a rebounder, and a finisher. He says, but always look at a guy's high school tape, and it will show you a little bit of what they can do. So, and I've, I mean, I've stuck with that. And Walker is a guy that he was a really good passer. And he played on a high school team that had Keontae George and Jet Howard, who are also projected lottery picks. And he was their best passer, in my opinion. So, I think... If he ends up in Dallas, you get a, a rugged defender, somebody that can rebound, but you can get creative and, you know, use him as a passer out the high post. He can hit cutters. And like you said, we've been to a lot of Mavs games and we've seen times where they trap Luka <laughs> and you give the ball to Dwight in the middle of the floor and yeah. he, his back is turned. Well, with Walker, you have a guy that not like a Draymond Green passer, but if you remember like when teams would trap Curry, they give the ball to Draymond in the middle of the floor. He could whip it to the corner. He could hit the... The, the cutter for the lob. And I think Walker could be that type of guy, like a poor man's Draymond. There you go. Guys, listen to Locked on NBA Big Board. Make that your next listen today. What do you got on the what do you got on the show today? Or yesterday? Or what's a what's a show that you did recently that they should listen to? So uh Richard Stamen and I, he's known as Mavs Draft. Mavs we did Draft. a <laughs> we did a show about some of the options for Dallas. He also did his um his latest Post NCAA tournament big board. We also did a show about Mike Miles, a TCU point guard. A pitch for him. I have this little series I created, just trying to be creative, called Prospect Pitch, where I have yeah. different guests pitch a prospect, and I pretend like I know nothing about them, and I'm the GM. They have to sell me on the guy. So that was pretty fun. And then Leaf Tulin, who I think is going to be a star in in this industry, he'll be on the the next couple of days, and he'll share his latest big board or his latest observation. So five days a week. So there's a lot of draft talk. <laughs> we're, and, we're ramping up to the lottery and then the draft. Also, uh, we're five days a week here on Locked On Mavs as well. It's, it's, that's our whole thing, Locked On. But uh, we will have Howard Beck on Thursday. So if you want to listen to another Locked On Mavs episode, go check out that one on Thursday. It'll be me and Howard Beck. I was on with him on uh, Monday on Locked On NBA. So lots of shows all across the network. Go check them out. Thanks, Raphael, for hanging out with us. And guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Boom.